Trump kind of guy. You've heard me make that joke before, but I am starting to believe he's a devil behind every other rock kind of person. I'm telling you, you guys just need to come early for warm-up. This stuff runs flawlessly for about an hour, and then you guys show up and something happens. So what I'm saying is it's not me, it's you, and so you need to get your heart right with Jesus and... If you're new, welcome to Redeemer City Church. That, that is a joke, but maybe not. So we'll see. Maybe some of y'all need to get baptized today. Get some of that extra sanctification. That's not what we believe, but we're just rolling with the punches. Amen? <laughs> you can't stop us from worshiping Jesus today. We'll just turn it all off and worship anyway. All right? So, but I am glad you're here if you're a guest of ours. My name is Mitch. I have the joy of being one of the pastors here along with Jerome and Kevin and Pastor Tim and uh, our other elders are with us. And man, we are, we are excited about today. And so I want to walk you through kind of a, a second step of last week's sermon before we go outside and celebrate baptisms with these four wonderful humans But as we start, I want you to kind of go back with me to then come forward with me. In the book of Exodus, the people of God, Israel, are wandering around in the desert. They're there for 40 years, wandering, 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 waiting for God's promise, waiting for Him to fill His covenant to Abraham. And so they're wandering, they're wandering, believing for this promised land, believing for this promised land. And then they get close after 40 years And they are whining, and Moses is angry, and Moses strikes a rock with his staff that God simply told him not to hit it, right? And so he didn't follow directions. He didn't fully trust God to handle his business. And so back out they go for 40 more years, right? And some of y'all think you have to wait for God. Imagine being uh, 80 years into waiting. Because sometimes we forget That God's time is not always our time. And so while they're wandering, though, one of the things that God continually puts on their path is that they need to trust Him. That He's worthy of their trust, that He will provide, that He will be God for them, and that they will be His people. And one of the ways He does that is every day they are supposed to go out of their tent And they are supposed to gather manna, and then in the evening gather meat, but they are only supposed to take enough for that day. And anything that they would gather beyond trusting God for that day would go bad. And so we see this kind of thing happening, and even in that waiting we get things like the Ten Commandments. But one of the things that we learn in that from them is that even through our most basic necessities, we are required, we are supposed to, we are called to trust God's hand of provision. Hopefully, you can see why in the 21st century United States of America, that is very hard for us to wrap our minds around. Most of us, I realize there's a few of us that do. Maybe you're in a situation of homelessness, and that's real for you today. You're trusting God every 
day for your provision. For many of us, though, in this room, that is not real. We are quite capable of getting a job and providing for ourselves and taking care of our basic needs. We are not wandering around the desert, and therefore, we are not in that same place of trusting God. If you look back at Exodus 16, briefly with me, it will be on the screen, verses 4 and 5, we see why God chose to have them do that. Look at what it says. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day so that I may test them, listen to this, whether or not they walk in my instruction. That was the test. Do they trust me? Here's another piece right from the beginning. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Why? Come on. Sabbath. Good job. All right? Because even back then, Sabbath was important. So we're trusting God with two things here from the beginning of His interactions with His people. I will provide for you and I want your time. Think about that. Provision and time. Two things that even today are at the top of our list. Two of the most valuable things as a human is our provision and our time. Super important. Nod to the Sabbath. But every day they would do this so that it was over and over and over again processed into their being, into who they are at the most basic level that the foundation of their relationship to their father was trust. That he would provide for them and the test was whether or not they would follow his commands, his instructions. You go farther into the Bible, into the New Testament, into 1 Thessalonians 5. And the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, is writing a letter to a church in Thessalonica. And he's making statements. This is so interesting to me. First to the church, the body. Then he makes direct statements to the pastor of that church. And then he makes statements to both of them. And so he's discipling all of them and all of us. So listen to this. To the church... He writes these words in verses 12 and 13. He says, But we ask you, brothers and sisters, to recognize those who diligently labor among you and are in leadership over you in the Lord and give instruction. You, me, right? We see this stuff, all right? And that you regard them very highly in love, not in any other things, right? No, no special treatment here. In love, right? It's a love relationship. Because of their work, live in peace with one another. So a call to the church. All right? But then look, to the pastor, he writes in verse 14, We urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays one another with evil for evil, but always seek what is good for one another and for all the people. And then he writes to everybody, Rejoice always. Here it is. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Why? Because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So pause. How's that going? How'd you do this week? 
We're in 21 days of prayer. It should be easy, right? Rejoice. How much? How much? How what? There's those words again that I keep bringing up. Always. How's that going? Why is that so important? If you rejoice always, what do you not have time for? Oh, she said it, not me. Think about this. If I pray at all times, which is what praying without ceasing means, what do I not have time for? You know, this is a trick question. Worry, right? If I am rejoicing, I'm not complaining. If I'm praying, I'm not worrying, right? In how much do I give thanks? Come on. Everything. Man, that's, yo, that's so hard. There's some stuff that God's put in my path that I'm not thankful for. But it's not because He messed up. It's because I'm not quite where He wants me to be yet. Thank the Lord He's gracious and that He's good. But don't, don't make a mistake here. Rejoice always, pray always, in everything give thanks, is not a to-do list for you, it's a reality for us. He's writing that part to the whole church. And he's saying the way that we come to the Father, the way that we abide in Christ, as we're going to look at here in a minute, is not by just thinking about all the things we shouldn't do. That's part of it. We are to confess our sins. We talked a few weeks ago about repentance and sin and the big deal that it is because it blocks some things. It's missing the mark. But make no mistake, it's also what Jerome talked about in 21 Days of Prayer. It's about what are we doing? It's not just about what I'm stopped doing. It's what are we doing? Because if what I'm doing is filling my soul, then I will find myself not doing what is not filling my soul, but rather draining my soul. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? So we come to John 15 then, and what we talked about last week was verse 5. Here's what Jesus has to say about our relationship to Him. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. That makes sense to us. Because apart from me, you can do, here we go again, how much? Nothing. We don't believe that in America. But I think Jesus is after something that maybe we're not after. Let's go back again to come forward, right? So we've looked at Old Testament. We looked at New Testament writing. We looked at Gospel writing. Let's look just another generation later when you come into the 300s. Athanasius, the Bishop of Alexandria, wrote these words, Christians, instead of arming themselves with swords, do what? They extend their hands in prayer. Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo in the 400s, interprets the biblical admonition to pray without ceasing as desire without interruption or without intermission from Him alone who can give it a happy life, which don't blow that off because we're going to look at that 
in John 15 here, which no life can be but that which is eternal. For all of history, we have needed the theme here from all the way back to the beginning. Old Testament, New Testament, the church, for us, we have all wrestled with this issue of believing in God and then trusting that He will do what He says. Abiding in Christ in He and you is ultimately boiled down to that issue of belief. If I am not praying, it's because I don't believe. Maybe I could rework that to say, I may not be praying because I do believe, but I believe more in my ability to solve this problem than God's. And therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. Therein lies our challenge here. Because if you go back to John 15, 4, it says, abide in me and I in you. Got that. But as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. We sometimes skip that part. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Let's go back to our hypothesis. If I am abiding in him and he's abiding in me, I have less time for what? We said a couple things. What were they? Do you remember? Hurry was one. What else? Grumbling was another, right? Because the whole picture here is instead of thinking about what you shouldn't be doing, God is inviting us to start thinking about what we should be doing, right? Maybe you've heard it said this way. Maybe we should be a little less known for what we're against and more what we're for, right? We got that backwards. So this is critically important. So what we started talking about last week is how do I do that, right? And we said we've got to make some lifestyle changes. We have to say no to some things so that we can say yes to some other things, right? That, that there, there just isn't a path towards Christ's likeness without the inner disciplines. And if I have no time for the inner disciplines, no energy for the inner disciplines, I'm not going to bear fruit. It's simple math. Abide in me. I and you, and if you don't, you can't. It's pretty simple. How do we get there, though? What does it look like? What are the handles? What are the stepping stones to do that? Right? Remain is the word abide, and so that first one is to simply give your time. Cut stuff out so you can do that. We talked about that last week. But Jesus gives another key here. He gives a key, if you will, to abiding in Christ. What does it look like when I'm abiding in Christ? What is the fruit is another way to say that. What's the scorecard, right? We need a scorecard. How, how can I tell? How can I tell? And I let you in on it last week, but I want to bring you into it this week. Look at verse 9 of John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my Love, right? So here we're taking one more step. He's saying, abide in me. What does that look like? Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, that's when you'll abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, right? What did 
What did Augustine say about having a happy life? We all want a happy life. Here's why he said that. Look at what it says. It says, Abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my, what? Joy may be in you, and that your joy would be full. Is my joy or God's joy better? Come on. God's. That's easy. Right? That's a... That's Sunday school answer stuff, right? We know that, but I'm pretty convinced a lot of us, myself at the top of the list, don't have that. I think we know it. I think we're really distracted by the things of this world and we don't have it. Which is why I really... Can I, can I confess something to you today? Is that okay? Are you, or do you have me on a pedestal? you're like no we don't you can tell me (laughs) you're like laughing I love that should I step down Jerome is that what you're telling me to you say get off the stage bro we'll have feedback I can't do that I like to complain stuff annoys me a lot and some of it is your driving (laughs) it's probably I think it's I think it's, it's I think it's probably my driving Right? But man, do you ever just... I was thinking about the verses that we'll share at Baptism Day in Romans. And it just like hits you like a ton of bricks. Like, man, why do I care about these stupid things? Right? Why? It's got what's in your tank, right? When Kim and I were doing premarital counseling and reading books to get married, which love and respect great book. You should read it if you're married, getting married, or want to get married again, or wherever your stage is in life. Phenomenal. We were reading that, we were going through stuff, and it was just like, there's this concept of a love tank, where everybody has a love tank. And I was thinking about that as I was just reading this passage, and the one in Romans, that everybody has a love tank. What's filling your tank? What's filling your tank? If I never make a deposit in my wife's love tank, guess what? We aren't going to be in love, right? It's just, it's just that simple, right? And the same is true for you spiritually. It, it says we love because He first loved us, right? It says abide in my love, right? I think it's a lot less complicated, but it's a lot more difficult than we give it credit for, right? The daily disciplines, the daily habits. <clears throat> if we want joy... God's given us a path to fullness of joy. And it's right there. It's right there. It's right in front of us. The key, according to Jesus, to abiding in His love is to keep His commands. Obedience. Now, watch this. Before you think I'm going to cave after all these years and give you a to-do list version of Christianity called obedience. Watch this. This is incredible. Look at verse 12. And in case we were confused, this is my commandment. Right? He says, keep my commands. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. This is my commandment. In case you're confused. That you, what? Love one another. How? As I have loved you. Question, did you deserve His love? No. 
Do my kids deserve my love just because they were born? No. They didn't earn anything. But man, how many of you know if you've had kids, I couldn't wait for them to be born to love them. You know? Even Malachi. But he's trying to hide. No, he was five when he joined our family. But we love Malachi as our own because that's what adoption does, right? And Romans tells us that you are adopted into the family of God crying, Abba, Father, right? Like that's the picture. That's the view. That's the commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this then they lay down their life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. But it's always this inverted truth here, right? Do my commands, but my command is to love as I have loved you. He has always gone first and he is always with you in the going. Powerful. No longer do I call you servants for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, that it should remain. So, That up. You remember that? They messed that up. That was what they were trying to go for. That's what the devil lied to them about. But here, out of a relational and sacrificial love comes fruit. God chooses us. We love Him back as a result. We remain in that place, abiding in His love, which in turn causes us to love and bear fruit that also abides and remains to the degree that we are so in tune with the Spirit of God that whatever we pray for, God is willing to give it. That's powerful. But that kind of life does not just happen. The invitation is to come to the feet of Jesus and remain there. That kind of life won't happen apart from those inner habits and practices. We can't expect that kind of spirituality, that kind of living by the Spirit that we talked about last week, without making changes to the pace of our life. And listen, if productivity is your gig, let me remind you what Jesus said. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen? Come on, let's pray, and then we're going to transition to some time outside celebrating new life. Let's pray. God, you are so good. As we prepare our hearts, having heard your word, having heard about your love, 
having heard about your desire to be with us. And we continue to till that soil in our hearts as we move toward a time of baptism now. I pray that you would stir in our hearts. Lord, I can't think of a better next step, a better application than to either be baptized or to celebrate the baptism of somebody else. To be reminded, to have our hearts wooed back to yours than that. So Lord Jesus, as we are reminded, much like communion, but in baptism, that we are buried with you in baptism. And then we are raised to walk in newness of life. And for those of us who have already done that, God, I pray that as we watch others cross that line of faith, that we would be reminded of what it is that you called us to, to walk in a newness of life, a life that is full of joy, a life that is full of love, a life that is connected like a branch to a vine in you. Pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Alright, before I let you go, I want you to do two things. If you have a kid in Redeemer Kids, we want you to go pick them up and then bring them back out. We want all of them, there's two kids from Redeemer Kids getting baptized today, so we want all of them to be able to be out here seeing it with us. So it's going to get crowded, it'll get warm, but it's going to be great, alright? So like she said, no grumbling and complaining, alright? But come on out, she didn't say that, the Bible says that, right? She's quoting scripture. Get off her back already. So go ahead and do that, grab your kids, and then we will meet you out front.